Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Super Bowl preview edition of the By the Laces podcast. My name is Bilal Malik, and this is my co-host, Trenton Cito. How are you, Trenton? I am fantastic. I am feeling refreshed. How about you, Bilal? I couldn't say it any better myself, Trenton. We took the week off last week, and I'm feeling relaxed and ready to go for the big game. We are finally here. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long season. It's been a pretty rough 2020 and, and start to 2021, but uh, hey, we made it to a Super Bowl. It's wild. Who did who have thought? And that just tells you how the NFL and its teams and all the players and everyone involved have put in their best effort to make sure we have gotten a complete season. And uh, let's take it away here. Yeah. Uh, speaking of people who are chugging along, we have the 91-year-old NFL groundskeeper who's been nicknamed the Sod Father, who is prepping the field at Raymond James for the Super Bowl. And the, the crazy thing about him is that he has prepped the field at every single Super Bowl, starting in the 1960s with Super Bowl One, all the way up until now. And that, that just blows my mind. I cannot believe that fact right there. Every single Super Bowl, this is going to be Super Bowl 55, I believe. So, and he's going strong at 91 years old. 91 years old in a pandemic. I was exactly in a pandemic. This guy is, I hope he's been vaccinated. That's all I want to say too. That I don't, I wouldn't want him out there unless he was vaccinated but i think the nfl knows how to take care of its people so this is going to be it's these type of stories trying to come out of this week that are like things that i i enjoy the most so but knowing something you will enjoy the most trying is that the final head coaching spot in the nfl has finally been fulfilled the houston texans finally have a head coach and his name is not josh mccown <laughs> No, his name is actually David Cully. David Cully. Um, he's been a uh, a wide receivers coach for a while, hasn't he? he was, yes, he uh, has. He spent the past two years in Baltimore, and he's been around the league, though, for the past 27 years. So he has plenty of experience. But it's interesting to see that this is the guy that Houston finally settled on. They were the one the first – Maybe the first team to fire the red coach early on in the season with your favorite Bill O'Brien. And they're the last ones to um, to find their head coach. But like the thing is that he was the wide receivers coach, right? For for Baltimore. And um, Baltimore finished last in passing last season. Yeah. So I don't know what that's going to say for – and there's also the overall tensions going building up in Houston right now with Watson and ownership and other levels right now. I know you've been following the story pretty closely over the offseason, so it'll be interesting to see how <laughs> things play out. Yeah, um, and and you mentioned the uh, the Ravens and their passing attack. I, I also want to mention that David Culley was the wide receivers coach – for the Kansas City Chiefs from 2013 to 2016. 
And within that, in 2014, that's the season when the Chiefs were the first NFL team since the 1964 Giants uh, that had no touchdown passes to a wide receiver the entire season. So um, that, you know, it, it doesn't really mean anything, um, but it's just one of those interesting tidbits of information that you find going through it. And Trenton, so the time we were off, there was a major trade that took place that has really shaken up the NFC, especially close to home here in the NFC North. With the Detroit Lions and Los Angeles Rams switching quarterbacks with Matthew Stafford going to the Rams and Jared Goff coming to the Lions. And before we go any further, additionally, we want to mention that the Rams are giving up their first-round pick in 2022, 2023, and third-round pick in 2021. And the Rams are only receiving Stafford. So it shows here that uh, the Rams are desperate. They wanted Stafford. And I don't know, man, this is one of the more shocking trades that I have come across of. Yeah. Um, like you said, the Rams wanted Stafford. And I think they were tired of Jared Goff. And it didn't help that. The Rams had signed Goff to that massive four-year, $130 million contract. Um, but there was a reason they did sign Manetto. He took him to the Super Bowl just like a couple years ago. Right. Um, and that quickly fell apart now that they had to dump all of those picks just to get the Lions to, to pick up that massive contract. They haven't had a first-round pick now since 2016 when they picked Jared Goff in the first round. First overall, if I'm not mistaken. So Yeah. It's it's interesting. I didn't Out of all the possibilities, all the movements that we could have seen in the offseason, this is probably one of the first ones to happen, and so far it is the biggest one. And I didn't really expect Matthew Stafford to, to leave the Lions. I know that guy's been through a lot. He's been through, like, three head coaches, I believe, and this one, new one would have been the fourth. And I knew the situation in Los Angeles when Jared Goff and Sean McVay had deteriorated, but I didn't think it would come down this level. Those guys were putting together numbers that no one had ever heard of. And now it's all over. Yeah. Um, and it, like you said, it was just so sudden. I mean, it went from the Rams saying uh, Jared Goff and John Wolford would be battling each other for the, the starting job that, in that the offseason. That in and itself is, uh, is a very interesting statement by them. Like, this guy came off of thumb surgery and led you to the playoffs. I mean, hmm. It's very interesting. I mean, I, I understand it's a business and it's a performance-based uh, performance based league, but golf had declined, but I didn't think I'm declining that much. There probably had to be something else going on behind the scenes that we aren't um, aware of, but I think he got the feeling that they didn't want him because in a lot of recent interviews, he's saying that he's happy to be in a place like Detroit now where he feels that they want him but it just looks like the Rams wanted Stafford more. And they yeah. showed it by what they were willing to pay. Yeah. Um, and it, it just seems like now, ever since 2016, 
like you said, seven consecutive seasons without a first rounder, they're dealing all these first round picks uh, to get people like Brandon cooks. Who's not even there anymore. And uh, Jalen Ramsey. So it's, you know, how, how far can they go in giving up the future of their franchise to be in this win now mode? How far can exactly. they take that? It's a win now situation. If they don't pay off, if it doesn't pay off now, then uh, the future's the future's been mortgaged out already. So you have you don't have to give up something else to get a first round pick in those future drafts. So it's a domino effect. We'll see what comes of it. Yeah, that we will. In other news, Ron Rivera has declared that he is officially cancer free. It's a uh, it's been a battle for him. Uh, he was first, I believe, announced it in August. Yes, on August 20th of last year, 2020, he announced that he had cancer. He would be going through treatment and still stayed to coach the team. And they they made the playoffs as a wild card team. So it's uh with their backup quarterback honestly <laughs> just that's the right. things that this guy has gone through this year new team the deal with cancer the deal with your quarterback going down and, and there's and no the, there's no one better than Ron Rivera yeah um and for a guy who has to come into the Washington football team which is a team that has had so much investigated on its its culture and its its habits and its president in the last year so it's good for him that's uh that's one thing job yeah he can he can move on from that hopefully and uh continue his his coaching career so so you probably watched the inauguration right a few weeks ago a little bit of it So if you watched that, you would have noticed that there is a 22-year-old poet named Amanda Gorman who stole the show and put together an, an I, don't, I don't even have the words to display it, but they recited an original poem that she wrote and it just captured the attention of everyone, including the NFL, because they have an, invited her to read a poem before the Super Bowl, and I don't think this has ever happened before. She is going to be reciting in a, an original work of, her, of hers, and the, the purpose of it is to basically recognize three honorary game captains who the league has chosen who are going to symbolize the thousands of healthcare professionals, educators, and veterans of our country. And this is, um, I don't know, it's just a really nice gesture for everything involved here. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is a really nice gesture. I mean, also add to that something we mentioned in our previous episode that the Super Bowl is having, I think, 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers as well mm-hmm. to, be, to be there in person. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great. One thing I want to mention is that for anyone who goes to the Super Bowl this year, I believe in addition to, uh, I think they're having a total of roughly 22,000 people, including the 7,500 healthcare workers, they will be giving everyone um, 
a KN95 KN95 mask when they walk in the stadium. So I'm saying like, hey, we'll get to the COVID a little bit later as we usually do, but like the NFL is taking it seriously and it's good for them. I mean, it's the last game of the year. Why would you let anything affect the game? And as a side note here, Trent, I, I believe that there are going to be 35,000 cutouts throughout the stands of the stadium. So it's like there'll be people and there'll be cardboard people. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there's there's been a lot of a lot of cardboard people at a lot of the games this year, and there's even been a lot of uh, virtual people as well. Exactly. So one thing that comes up with the NFL weekend here, Trenton, as you are well aware of, is the NFL honors. I mean, this thing started off ten years ago, back in Indianapolis, before the Patriots and Tom Brady. And taking on the New York Giants in the Super Bowl. And this has quickly become one of my favorite things this weekend. And all these awards that we got that are given out to everyone. So I was thinking, Trent, we should uh, we should project these winners. I know that we have discussed these, and some of these we've actually come to a consensus with talking with you earlier. So. Let's see who we chose and if there are any differences that come between us. So let's start off with the biggest one of the, the biggest award right off the bat. The AP Most Valuable Player of the Year, which happens to be delivered by Pizza Hut. <laughs> are, we, are we getting sponsored here? I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, they will after this. Maybe they'll yeah. send us a sponsorship. It could be. Um, this one's going to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think we both this agreed. Is who we agreed on. Yeah, honestly, forty-eight touchdowns, five interceptions. I believe he had two games with a passer rating below a hundred. Hate, hate that he plays for our rival team here, but there's no denying the talent that's on that uh, with that guy. And in a year that he basically didn't care. He was ready to play ball in a relaxed fashion, especially when they had drafted a quarterback to basically replace him in the first round. And he showed that he's not going anywhere. Uh, AP Coach of the Year, presented by Bose. Why I'm <laughs> listing the sponsors, I don't know, but this is how it's written in our notes, so I'm just going to continue to do it. Yeah. Um, in this one, we discussed a few coaches – um, including Sean McDermott and Brian Flores. But in the end, I believe we both agreed on Kevin Stefanski. Agreed. I mean, if any person had done anything of this magnitude to change the fortunes of one city or one team, it's been him. I mean, every year for the past 20 years, maybe, Cleveland has been a laughing stock of the NFL. They have... Before the season started, you and I were making jokes. And even in the beginning of the year, at least I was making jokes about Cleveland. But then they turned everything around and they started winning games and they made it to the playoffs. I Cleveland's no joke anymore. And it's all basically due to Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, he, he came in and absolutely changed the culture. They, they made the playoffs. They beat the Steelers twice. 
<laughs> one at the very end of the season. And then even when Kevin Stefanski had COVID, he was stuck at home. He, he brought the team into position to be able to win a playoff game without him there. Shows a time with leadership, what type of culture you've established, then your team can still go out to win, even though you can't be there to help them. Too bad that that win doesn't go on his record as a win in the playoffs, but uh, he'll be back. AP Coach of the Year. We just did that. Sorry. AP Comeback Player of the Year, presented by Visa. This one, I believe we both agree, has to go to the man, the myth, the legend. Alex Smith, who came back from possibly the most that anybody could have ever come back from. Is there anyone else who's even remotely possible to be to get this award besides Alex Smith? The second he took that field, I believe it was even before he was officially back as a starter, he was as a backup, um, and their quarterback went down. I forgot who his name was, but just the second, the fact that he was able to step back on in that field automatically gives him the comeback player of the year award. And just for everything you said, people should uh, watch that ESPN documentary on him and just detailing his entire journey of recovery from injury to recovery and now back from playing. Um, this is what makes sports so good. Stories like Alex Smith's. Uh, AP Offense Player of the Year. Ooh. No sponsorship this time. (laughs) This one, I think, is going to go to Derrick Henry, and I think we both agreed on that. Derrick Henry, he broke 2,000 yards this season, which is quite the accomplishment. I mean, usually you find out, I mean, we did some research going into this, I believe roughly six out of the past ten years the MVP and the Offensive Player of the Year have been the same. But just the fact that you just mentioned here that Henry was unstoppable. Henry broke 2,000 yards, which is not – there are not that many running backs to have broken 2,000 yards rushing, and it's not easy. And he really made teams game plan for him, and just the way he played was spectacular. So yeah. he deserves this. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. AP Defensive Player of the Year. All right. This is this is one where we had a little bit of discussion between Aaron Donald and TJ Watt. Aaron Donald, of course, has won it several times now. Uh, he won it in 2018. Well, too. He deserved it every time, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, he's of course, he's still going to be up in the running for that. But I think we have both agreed that it's going to be TJ Watt. Yeah, TJ Watt, I mean, he's a Watt. What am I going to say? He's a Watt. And JJ, JJ got it a few times. TJ probably will get it this time if they listen to us. Um, he had more sacks this year. He was more, uh, I mean, again, he, you always have to know where he was. And the interesting thing is that uh, teams didn't double team him. Like, why would you not double team him? Uh, he, yeah. he's uh, one of the most disruptive players on the Steelers D-line and just the league in general. And they double-team Donald, double-team Khalil Mack, they double-team people like that. But why didn't they double-team T.J. Watt for the most part? I don't know. And just that allowed him to put together such a quality year that I think he'll be coming out with this victory. 
AP Offensive Rookie of the Year, presented by Microsoft Surface. There we go. Um, I think the easiest answer here is going to be Justin Herbert. Yeah, we both agree on that one because here's my take on it. He comes in a week two, not even holding back a little bit. If you watch Hard Knocks this year, he wasn't he was not ready to play. And they were fine with that because they knew they would have Teron Taylor taking the, the start of the season and probably playing the whole year. Herbert was going to sit out. He wasn't you – know, they, they had no intention of playing him. But then that missed um, injection hit the, hit the lungs of Taylor and throws him right in. I mean, just that first game he played, I believe he was in against the Chiefs. Against the Chiefs, Almost yeah. beat them. Almost beat them. Mm-hmm. And the way he played in this first ever game, it showed that this guy is special. And he threw only 10 interceptions in his rookie year and over 4,000 yards. That is, that's special. Do we think he's going to continue this? I think he might. I mean, he's a new head coach though. So it'll be interesting to see how things go there. But for this rookie of the year award, I think he's a perfect fit. Continuing on here, we got the last award that we want to discuss here is the AP Defensive Rookie of the Year presented by Microsoft. Yes, we uh, I think we both agreed here that it is Chase Young. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all these players, he could have easily been uh, give it a couple of years. He could easily be Defensive Player of the Year, not just uh, – because he could graduate, he, he could have been defensive player of the year this year. It's just that TJ Watt probably is more deserving of the award at this time. But uh, he's a disruptive force, and the Washington football team has gotten a good player. So we will see how his career progresses as well. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to see how uh, how he performs in that on Rivera defense. So definitely a, a bright young star to look forward to. Agreed. Trenton, so my favorite part of this whole award show actually happens to be the Hall of Fame announcements. It's just something about the music and the people walking on stage with their names read and just these people who have worked so hard in the league finally getting the recognition they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And it's one of my wishes one day to go visit the Hall of Fame. But we have to now pick the new members of the class of 2021. And roughly speaking here, there's no set rules of how many people get in, but they keep it between four to eight, and they usually have a senior and a coach finalist as well. So going with these parameters, we selected eight members, one senior finalist and one coach finalist. So let's go through the list of most of these people list people who follow the game will know about. So the first one we chose was Calvin Johnson, who played for the Detroit Lions wide receiver. Second one, Peyton Manning played for the Indianapolis Colts and Denver Broncos brought both teams to the Super Bowl championship took both teams to the Super Bowl and lost as well, so I just have to put that in there. (laughs) 
Um, Charles Woodson played for the Oakland Raiders and the Green Bay Packers. John Lynch played for the uh, the Bucks. The Bucks, yes, Bucks yes, and the Broncos. The Bucks. the Bucks and the Broncos, and currently the GM of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Zach Thomas. Long time Miami Dolphin. Thank you for helping. I'm blanking on these. <laughs> it would have helped if I had written this out. But uh, and last of the modern finalists is Clay Matthews Sr., who I believe played on the Atlanta Falcons. Yep, Atlanta Falcons and the Cleveland Browns. And who also happens to be the dad of Clay Matthews Jr., who people would know from playing on the Packers for all those years. See, this is what happens when you have a good co-host here. He's able to uh, make up for your shortcomings. And our senior finalist that we have chosen is Drew Pearson, who was the original number 88 for the Dallas Cowboys. And Tom Flores is our coaching finalist. Two-time Super Bowl head coach, winning head coach for the Oakland Raiders. First Latino quarterback uh, to play in the NFL. And the first Latino head coach. This is a pretty stacked list, Trenton. And they are, you got to think about it, though. There are 15 modern era finalists that could get in. And we're picking Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson to get in as first ballot Hall of Famers. Because remember, you have to wait five years to retire, and then. Yeah, um, but I think all three of those players are, are generational talents. You know, they're they're just they were so good at what they did when they were playing, and of course they were players that we grew up with as well, Um, and just they they changed the way the, the game is played. Also, the fact that we know who these players are probably puts a lot more um, weight weighted for how we're ranking these because we saw them playing. Going on to some COVID news here. Hopefully, Trenton, this is the last time we talk about anything COVID-related in the NFL because hope, I'm hoping that the next season has nothing to do with COVID and we are all vaccinated and it's all good to go. But that is very wishful thinking and who knows what the future will hold. It is amazing, though, that in this whole year, in a sport that is dominated by contact, the overall positivity rate for this NFL season was 0.08%. That's, that's not bad at all. That's fantastic. Just look at other sports, Trenton. Baseball, basketball. They... They've had so many issues that come up with it. No game in the NFL this year was canceled. There were delays, yes, but we played all 256 games of the regular season, and we played all the playoff games, and we have one left to go. And they were able to do it all without the bubble that the NBA went through. Even baseball roughly had a bubble set up, right? Because they only played teams that were – in the general area 
of where the teams um, played. So, but we would not have uh, the season go on without a little bit of uh, some issues rising up. And there was one incident involving a Kansas City barber, if you'd like oh. to take that. Oh, yes. Um, Kansas City Chiefs fans everywhere held their breath when they heard the news that Patrick Mahomes was one of the 20 people standing in line for a haircut with a barber who tested positive for COVID-19. And once they, they found out that he tested positive, they quickly ran to, uh, to pull everybody they could out of that line. Um, backup center Daniel Kilgore was in the middle of his haircut when the results came in. And uh, he, he said since he was already a close contact, just finish the haircut. <laughs> don't don't yeah. leave it halfway done. <laughs> I would like to see how that actually looked. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, so Kilgore and wide receiver Demarcus Robinson were both placed on the reserve COVID-19 list after they're deemed to be close contacts, but they can be active as long as they test negative for five consecutive days. And it looks like based off of every report that we've been hearing that they should be ready to go by tomorrow on Saturday because uh, we're recording this show Friday night right now. So, yeah. We've seen those uh, State Farm commercials where Mahomes is in the barber chair and getting his haircut done. I think uh, this is, could be in line for another commercial. Like, it's in line <laughs> with Edge. Did, anyway. Are you saying that? Uh, are you saying they predicted the situation with the commercial? I mean, I don't know. They're geniuses. There is, <laughs> it's, a, it's a marketing strategy. Here's some good news here, Trent. That the with the NFL season coming to an end, the NFL is offering the Biden administration all the all 32 stadiums as mass vaccination sites. Uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell sent a letter today to President Biden saying that they are willing to work with the administration in getting as many people vaccinated by offering all all stadiums as vaccination sites. And this is just good news. I mean, we need as much good news and as much co- cooperation as possible between all the levels of the government, all the levels of the community, just to get this out there we need we need this vaccine in people's arms as fast as possible yeah and it's a it's definitely good news good move by the nfl um i mean nobody's really gonna be using those stadiums anyways now that season's over there's no concerts happening there's there might be a few like soccer games taking place but we can you can find a way to work it out i believe like atlanta the Falcon Stadium is already doing things like this. And I think there are some other stadiums as well that are taking part. But just the fact that they are offering it now to, like, you could you could take Soldier Field, for example. You could have, like, a mass. It could be, like, the largest vaccination site in Chicago. Just send, like, the loop down in the Soldier Field and take it up and start vaccinating people and just, we just need people to get this vaccine as fast as possible. All right, so we are finally, finally here at the Super Bowl. 
not literally, figuratively. I would love to actually be at the game right now, but uh, we are we are there spiritually. Exactly. Before we dive into this matchup, we should probably recap how we got here because we didn't do a a championship weekend recap. So the first game on that um, first game up was the uh, Buccaneers and Packers. What was your quick takeaway from that? And how did the Buccaneers end up beating the Packers to go to the Super Bowl? Oh man, don't don't even get me started on this one. Um, I I remember after this game, I sent you a very long string of messages of exactly what I for anyone who what, doesn't know Trenton's post game analysis, like in the moment post game analysis, is the most in depth post game analysis I have ever seen ugh. anywhere. <laughs> Um, I mean, to to shorten all of it and just put it in a a really quick statement, the Packers had this one. They could have won it. There were several chances that they had where they could have won it, but didn't win it. Yes, each each time they had the football, they stopped the Bucks on defense, and they had a chance to score. They just couldn't, and that was the story of the game. Turnovers too. Mm-hmm. It, the Bucks took two Packers turnovers and turned them into points, and that's the game. That's sort of the game in any game. Just don't turn the ball over. Yeah, and don't uh... allow your opponent to score off of those turnovers. Like it's one thing to turn them over, but to allow them to score is another thing. It's you don't need to give Tom Brady additional possessions; they'll beat you anyway. Yeah. Second game of the weekend was the Bills at the Chiefs. And this game got off to an interesting start. But as it comes down to every Chiefs playoff game of recent memory, they somehow prevail. Yeah, this game this game was absolutely wild. <laughs> let me let me just put it that way. I mean, um when you when you have a team like Kansas city chiefs that can score from anywhere on the field at any moment, you know, big offensive production, it's, it's crazy. I mean, Tyreek Hill had 172 yards. Um, his longest was a 71 yard reception. There's when, when this chiefs offense is, is rolling, you, you can't stop it. Nope. And that is something the Bucks defense is going to have to uh, pay very close attention to this weekend. I mean, they have a very good defense, but uh, they did play these two teams did play each other earlier this season. In Week Twelve, the Chiefs beat the Bucks twenty-seven to twenty-four in Tampa. Which, if you look at it, Trent, the Chiefs this weekend are trying to recreate everything that they did the first time around. They're leaving on Saturday like they did before. They're leaving at the same time like they did before. And they're staying in the same hotel like they did before. I don't know if they're just trying to be superstitious or just seeing, <laughs> oh, it all worked out. Like, this was a good hotel. This was a good time to leave. This everything worked. But it's just interesting to see how they have um, chosen to schedule their trip. That I game, mean, yeah. That game was a tight game. Yeah. Like you put it, uh, both of your points make total sense. 
from a, a practical standpoint of, okay, it, you know, it, it works. So if it's not broken, don't fix it. And from a superstition standpoint, yeah, they, they won. So do it again. <laughs> and also the point about it, uh, it working, you're in a pandemic. So it's like the, the amount of things you can control is very limited. So it's just, I mean, if you would have looked at it a year ago, the Chiefs probably would have been in Tampa last Sunday. We would have had like a full arrival of their plane and see them all getting off with their cameras in their hands and stuff like that. Just the, the whole, this whole week in general has been um, different, to say the least. Well, let's just kind of see what happened, the stat lines that took place during this uh, last game between the Chiefs and the Bucks. Uh, Mahomes threw for three touchdowns, 462 yards, and no interceptions, while Brady threw for 345 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. So, I mean, despite the fact that the game was tight, it, um, two turnovers by Brady, and that just can't happen. But if you also look at it here, Trenton, this game was the last game that the Buccaneers lost. So they have not lost a game since then because they were at the end of this game they were seven and five, and they ended up being eleven and five going to the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes off and how much of a benefit do you think it brings to each team having played each other once now in this same season? Ooh, this is a uh, yeah. How, how much how much stock do you put in that? Because you have divisional games. In general, some teams play great the first matchup. Some teams play bad the second. Some teams play great both times or bad both times. Like, it has too much time passed. This was back in the week 12, so. I I feel like both teams have some kind of game plan or, you know, maybe some special scheming or trick plays that they have they ha- that they haven't shown the season on film yet that they're just waiting to bring out here. Um, it doesn't have to be something as 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 tricky as the uh, the Philly special. You know that's definitely a special case right there. But you know I'm sure they have some some kind of looks on offense and defense that they haven't put out yet that they're hoping takes the other team by surprise. Very true. I mean you have to. I mean. If you have something in your playbook, this is the time to bring it out because what you're, you're done after this. You, you're both going home. It's just that one is going home a champion and one is going home in second place without the trophy. So, all right, Trent, before we go any further, there was those news that came out right before we started recording, actually, that uh, Britt Reed, son of Andy Reed, and outside, outside linebackers coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, was in a car accident and will not be coaching in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, at the time of, at the time right now that we're recording this, it's still a, a developing story. So there's not too much information about it, but it definitely is something to keep an eye on going into the Super Bowl since it is Andy Reid's son. And uh, he'll probably be thinking about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I just don't have anything else to add to that. Honestly, just saying that Andrew Reed's a professional. 
He's been in the Super Bowl twice before. Both times haven't actually been in Santa Florida. Because uh, he played his first one, the Eagles, back in like 04 in Jacksonville. And this last one the year before, he was in Miami. That was a side note completely. But just saying that Andy Reid is a professional. He knows how to focus on the game. I know it's his son, but he's also coaching in the biggest game of the year. And uh, you'll know he'll be thinking about it, but I don't think it'll affect the team in any um, negative way. All right, going into the actual Super Bowl now, Trent. The fact that the game is being played in Tampa, does it really bring – is there a home field advantage for Tampa? They are the – they are officially, anyway, the home team based off of, I think there's a rotation system every year between the AFC and NFC and Tampa. Just happened to luck out and be the home team this year as well, as in, in addition to reality. But, like, is there a real home field advantage for them this year? Um, I, I think there's a little bit. They're definitely not going to be able to fire their cannons. I think that was mentioned before by the NFL that they're – not going to be able to fire the, the ship's cannons after they score. Um, but also, I believe most of the vaccinated healthcare workers that are being allowed there are going to be from the nearby area. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're if they're Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans, that might give them a little bit of advantage there. You, have you would have to else? also think – sorry, continue. No, I, I was asking if you had anything else. Oh. <laughs> I see so you haven't seen that most of the people too who would probably be attending might be uh, in addition to healthcare workers might be Bucks fans just because the game's in their city and their team just happens to be playing. But just how much would it be for the team of the city of Tampa to win a Super Bowl in their home stadium? And they had just won a hockey championship not so long ago either. So it's It'll be it'll be fascinating, and the fact that Tom Brady is playing in his tenth Super Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes is playing in his second Super Bowl, it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. Tom Brady is the greatest player of all time, and Mahomes is quickly getting up to that level. So, some interesting things here to note: the Bucks are getting back Vita Vea, their their big guy on the defensive line, right in the middle. He's a Pretty good pass rusher and a pretty good run stopper, so he'll be there lending his his size and weight to that defensive line. The Chiefs are also getting back Clyde Edwards Alaire from his uh his his terrible attempt at the splits <laughs> not too long ago in the playoffs that he is thankfully recovered from. Um let's look at the the final injury report here. There's some players that were already deemed out. It's uh, Eric Fisher, the tackle for the Chiefs, who has been deemed out, and Willie Gay, linebacker with a knee and ankle injury, who's also going to be out. Sammy Watkins, wide receiver, is going to be questionable. On the Bucks side, Antonio Brown is questionable, and Cameron Brates is also questionable. I mean, for the most part, it looks like a pretty healthy team. Most of these people who are on the list, they, there are a lot of who you didn't mention, but there was no reason to, honestly, because they were all listed as full participants in practice as a Friday. And so it'll be interesting to see how they all 
play, even if people aren't 100%, I'd like to assume they would be playing because it is the biggest game of their career, especially if they're a starter or anyone of that magnitude. But it will be interesting to see. And hey, this is going to be a good game. And this is also the last time Trenton we are picking games. So we went 2 0. I did. I went 2 0 in the championship round. And you went 1 1 for the last game of the year, the Super Bowl. Who are you taking? I'm going to go Kansas City Chiefs. I am going Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have learned wow. in my lifetime to not pick against Tom Brady. The man is, is in his 10th Super Bowl. And I am fully expecting he will walk out of there with a seventh championship. All right. All right. I'm, I'm going with Patrick Mahomes uh, because I feel Patrick Mahomes has a, a very deep sense of anger and frustration that the last time he and Brady met in a playoff game, Brady got the ball and he did not. That is true. That is very true. Think about it, though, Trenton. Last time any team has repeated back-to-back was the, were the 03-04 Patriots, led by the greatest quarterback, to, the greatest player, I should say, to ever play, Tom Brady. So do you think that provides any motivation for him to make sure that no one else goes back-to-back? <laughs> um, it, it could be, but uh, I think I – think- Tom Brady is just going out there and he, he wants to show that middle met middle-aged men anywhere. 43 uh, years old. Yes. Can successfully pull off a uh, championship win. He's been playing this game for almost as long as we've been alive. Yeah. That's uh that's pretty wild to think about. Well, while we were learning how to walk, Tom Brady was already running, not quickly, not quickly, I might add, but he was running. <laughs> but he was sneaking for touchdowns. <laughs> there we go. That's something he does good. Just closing off here, Trent. Uh, we, I know we're picking uh, picking different teams here, but just what does this do if they do pull off this victory, the Buccaneers, for just the legacy of Tom Brady? The fact that you go from New England to Tampa, you don't have that much success early on in the year. People are saying that this might be it, and this is that the the Belichick and Brady just don't work well without each other. And then the fact that they are in the Super Bowl in their home stadium, I just it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it would be a a very unusual end to a very unusual season. And uh... seven championships is a lot. Like. There's some teams, the um, Patriots are probably uh, hoping they kept them because a seventh championship would have moved them above the Steelers as all-time championships because the Steelers have six. So it would have been interesting. Tom Brady would have more championships than any like team with seven. And the last thing here is that he doesn't look like he's going to be slowing down. Tom Brady will be running around in his 60s throwing a ball. And like, wow, this guy's a, 
I know we're talking too much about him, but uh, it's hard not to admire him. Indeed. Yeah. All right. So I think that does it for us here, Trent. Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap this all up? No. Uh, I think we can go into this weekend uh, looking forward to a, a great Super Bowl matchup. Agreed. Hopefully we get a good game. And because we've known to have good matchups, but then end up with pretty trash games overall. So see how this comes out. And it's just been amazing to see how this league has functioned during this pandemic. And we have one more game to go. Thank you all for listening to the By the Laces podcast. We hope you have a great rest of the week. We'll be back next week with another episode. Don't forget to follow us at BillMallock15 and Trent underscore Cito. Please stay safe and wear a mask. I think Tom Brady rushes for 99 yards in the Super Bowl. <laughs>